This is episode 10 for Papercut for July 26, 2021. Welcome to episode 10 of Papercut, the Niagara Libraries podcast. I'm Tracy Dunstan. I'm Georgia Grandstaff. And I'm Rosemary Farrell. Today's episode is going to be interesting. It is our last episode of our first season of the podcast. Uh, and we wanted to do something different for our last episode. The theme for this year's summer reading program is TALES, T-A-L-E-S, and TALES, T-A-I-L-S. This is obviously centered around an animal theme, but we wanted to pay attention to the stories part of that theme. So we have compiled some funny, odd, interesting library tales from our staff, some guest library workers, and some that have been published. Uh, We just wanted to give you guys a better idea of what it's really like to work in the library, the people that we encounter, and the funny things that happen every day. So I think the first story that we are going to have is going to be from Rosemary herself. So I'm going to let her tell her tale. Okay, so this isn't strictly a story. It's more of a reminiscence about a particular patron that Georgia and Tracy and anyone who's worked in the library for the past probably couple of decades (laughs) would know. Um, Lester, and I'm going to apologize to Lester, wherever he is, because I don't know how to pronounce his last name, which is really shameful because I never used it. Um, it looks like Levines, although it could be Levines. I'm not sure. So, but I know his first name is Lester. He died, I believe, the day before Thanksgiving in 2020. And he was 94 years old. So I'm going to assume that it was of natural causes because I'd seen him a couple of days before that in the library on the computers downstairs, um, and he looked fine. So I'm assuming, I'm hoping that it was whatever it was, was quick and that he was almost not aware of what was going on because Lester was so full of life. It's hard to imagine him not being in Nyack, doing his daily rounds and walking through town with his his hat pulled down over his head. (laughs) So I guess I probably met Lester at the library because he came in pretty much every day. He had his routine. He lived in town down near the water and get on Gedney street. And he would, I know he'd go walking by um, the river every day, even in the, when the weather was rough. Um, He loved to take pictures with his, I guess, I don't know if he had a smartphone. I don't think, well, maybe he did. (laughs) That's a good question. I think he just, he actually had a camera. So he would take pictures of the camera and he would share his pictures with with me and other people who worked at the library. So he went for his walk. He'd go to the YMCA because I would see him there when I used to go there and he'd be on the bike and he'd always be reading some sort of, generally some sort of book about leftist politics (laughs) because that was one of his passions. Um, which we would we would talk about because it's something that I'm passionate about as well. And he would introduce me to all the other regulars at the gym because he knew everybody. And if I was in a grumpy mood, he would try to cheer me up. Um, although sometimes I'd be so grumpy <laughs> in the morning that he'd just be he'd make this scared face, be like, "Oh, I gotta leave her alone today. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's scaring me." Um, but usually he, he'd cheer me up because he would he also liked to tell sort of classic dad jokes and um 
he also knew I was raised, I, like my parents are Irish Catholic and I was raised Catholic. So he always had a, a bunch of jokes involving priests and <laughs> that were, were, oh, he knew would get me because I, you know. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I can think of certain meetings with Lester, but I guess because I saw him every day, he was such a part of my life, like working here and just living in town and seeing him around town. But anytime I saw him, He'd often be like when he'd walk through town, he often would be like it looked like he was thinking about something very intently. But if he saw me, he'd always like his whole like demeanor would change and his arms would open up and he'd smile and he'd say, it's my angel. It's my angel. <laughs> so he always made me feel like he he made you feel like you were seen and that you were appreciated. Uh, and I am sure there are other people in the library who would who would echo my sentiments. Although if you did get on his bad side, he, he, he would let you know it. He, he could get cranky sometimes if he was frustrated, like any of us. And I remember once, I don't know what we were trying to do, use the copier and it wasn't working and I wasn't helping him. And he just was grumpy. And he told me to go back to Dublin, which was funny because I'm <laughs> not from Dublin, but I lived there, so we used to talk about that. But then he got over it pretty quickly. So yeah, it's been very strange not seeing him in the library, especially he was obsessed with, he always read the New York Times every morning. And there was an ongoing um, sort of feud (laughs) between him and another patron who was also devoted to reading the New York Times and they did not like each other. (laughs) So it was sort of a contest to see who could get the actual, because they they wanted to read the physical paper. They didn't want to read it online. Although I know Lester did adapt and end up reading it online during the pandemic, but um, they would, you know, sort of vie with each other to see who could get their hands on the copy first. And it was, uh, it was pretty intense. They had to have, there was little interventions, I think at some point, but Lester, Lester had a, a sense of humor about it even though he would get annoyed. He definitely had a sense of humor about it because he would tell me jokes about it. Another thing about Lester, he was a, a skydiver and he went skydiving in, you know, into his 90s. I think he had this ritual where he would do it around his birthday. He was uh, born like October 30th, right around Halloween. So he had, he tried to go like once a year and sometimes he did make it, but uh, he showed me pictures of him in the air, you know, he went skydiving with, he was attached to somebody. I remember he even traveled out to Las Vegas to go skydiving. And he showed me pictures of like the young guys that were running this business and he's hanging out in the garage with them on this ratty couch (laughs) and uh, the the young hipster guys, skydiving teachers. And they just thought Lester was something else. Like he was also a world war II vet. He would talk about that and was very anti-war after you know, serving. Um, I think he was in the Navy. Um, and I also found this great, uh, I went scrounging and because we, we never got an obituary. I don't think anyone found an obituary published. We didn't find out anything about any services. I mean, he wasn't religious, so I wasn't expecting there to be that kind of service, but, um, there wasn't anything formal, partly because of the pandemic. Um, I'm assuming because his, his wife had passed away decades ago, like suddenly. So he, he was single for a long time. Although he always wore her, her wedding ring on his, uh, 
his uh, pinky in his right hand. He always had her wedding ring. But I went trolling in, in Google and I found some videos of him and I found a Facebook group put together by his former students because he was a fifth grade teacher at Congress Elementary for 33 years. And there's actually a plaque. They dedicated uh, a, a piece of art, I think, to him at the school. And there's a plaque with his name on it, which he, I remember him showing me pictures of that. He was so proud. He He was like, Apparently, from the testimonies that I found on Facebook, it made me cry because all his former students were just so effusive in, they, they, he was like everyone's favorite teacher. He was so, he was like loving and fun. He played the zither and the guitar and he'd bring them in and, and sing songs to the kids and teach them all these folk songs. And apparently he was friends with Pete Seeger and he was, he was always an activist. So he worked on environmental issues and with the Clearwater issues, like uh, cleaning up the Hudson River, because he loved to be outside and hiking. And you take the kids hiking and you would teach them the names of all the flowers and the trees. And he just sounds like an amazing, I mean, I knew he was an amazing human being, but reading these, these Facebook posts just brought it home in a different way, because I didn't know him in that regard. I, he was never my teacher, but he taught, you know, generations of kids and they all have these great memories of him. And I know that he was very proud of that because he'd bring it up and he'd also kept in touch with a lot of kids and he would write letters to them, even as they're adults all over the, you know, all over the country, all over the world. And they would come, sometimes they would come home, they would come back to visit family and they would always make sure they saw Lester. And he was like, you think about the reach of one human being and this is a perfect example of that, like the way you can influence so many. I wanted to talk about Lester and I'm sure there's a zillion other things that I didn't know about him that we could, that other people could tell, but I, he was an important person to me and I do miss him. Anytime I go into the Carnegie room or he'd like to sit in the Moffat room and read the paper, I feel I always look for him. It's weird. So it's like, if there's going to be a ghost haunting the library, a new ghost, it might be Lester. <laughs> One of a kind, really. He was an extraordinary person. He was a library legend. Yep. He was a library legend. And he's he loved the library and he he was very supportive, not of the not just of the services and the building and the books, but of the staff. He was always very appreciative of what people did for him here and had a great presence. What a perfect way to start off our tale. <laughs> to Lester. I'm going to start off talking about Lester because I agree with Rosemary. He was a great patron to have around the library. Um, I remember one day, I wasn't having the greatest of days, and he would always, he had a way of making me feel like he was the only person in the room. And I was at the reference desk and I walked away for something, and I came back and he had left me a note that said, one is forever richer when one has found another with whom to smile. And it perked me up and it made my day a lot better. He was always, um, he was always just like very cheerful and he made you feel great. And he was just a nice, interesting, kind person. And I don't, didn't know him as well as um, some other people in the library did, but he was one of my favorite patrons. I don't have many fun library tales from Nyack, but I do have some from when I worked in New Jersey. One story is from before I got there, but apparently one day the roof caved into the building of the children's room. Luckily, no one was there at the time, but when they came in on Monday, they didn't have a ceiling and the library closed for about a year. And what the, the weirdest thing about it was that everyone would talk about this like it was a completely normal thing to have happened. 
Another story is that um, the library that I'm talking about had a branch library that was very small in an old repurposed mansion. And then back maybe two or three years ago, when the Pokemon app came out, the library was a stop on the, um, I don't know a lot about the Pokemon app, but there was like some sort of, you'd go to a place and get Pokemon. Um, so from what went from kind of a quiet library, went to being very busy as people would stop for this. And one day when I was there, at the corner of my eye, I see a kid climbing the fire escape in order to get a better spot, I guess. And he climbed all the way up to the second floor before we saw him. And we had to obviously, you know, get him down. But it was it was the weirdest thing. And my last story is that at that same library, we, there was a creepy basement that was filled with weird stuff. And technically we weren't supposed to go down there because there was asbestos or something. Um, but one day I kept hearing creaking sound. <coughs> next to this old, they had an old baby carriage. It looked like one of those um, old Victorian carriages. And... Um, I go down there to see what's going on and an entire family of squirrels popped out and I almost had a heart attack because they were, we used to tell each other there was a bunch of ghost stories related to this basement and so. Okay, my funny story that I have to tell about Nyack Library is from a few years ago, well actually more than six years ago, when Jim Mahoney was the library director and he needed to cover at the reference desk because we were short on staff and staff needed to take a lunch break. So he's working the reference desk and he gets a phone call from someone who needs music lyrics. <laughs> and the music lyrics he had to look up were from a Beyonce song called Bootylicious. So he looks the lyrics up <laughs> And then the patron asked, can you read them to me over the phone? So if anyone knows James Mahoney, <laughs> they would know how awkward this is. So he reads them and he read the whole song. And he came back to the desk to tell me about his experience. And it was like so funny because he really enjoyed that. <laughs> Anyone who is a reader may remember a few years back a very popular book called Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Um, it had a holds list hundreds of people long. Well, as anyone who works at a library knows, people often do not know the title of a book that they are looking for. They will often have one word that is in the title, or they will have some very vague idea of what the book is about, or they will say, well, there is a picture of an octopus on the cover, I think, etc. So one of my favorite things to do, because frankly I got bored being asked about this book 10 times a day, would be to pretend that I had absolutely no idea what book they were talking about when they would inquire about it just to hear what what people would say. I would often get things such as, do you know this book? Something about fish, maybe crayfish, or you know, what are those fish that they eat in the south? Maybe it's a book about the fish. I'm not sure. My friend told me to read it. A lot of things like that. Well, my favorite one that I got, and I think everyone will think this is funny, <laughs> was one woman who said, oh, I know what it's called. It's called, I Know Why the Crawdads Sing, <laughs> which to anyone who reads knows that they were very much confusing this book with, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings by May Angelou. So, uh, library life. 
What follows is a list of incorrect book titles library patrons have requested. Here we go. <clears throat> Catcher in the Wind. Catch 22 in the Rye. Dom Quicks Olay. Gullible's Travels. Fifty Shades of Grey's Anatomy. How to Kill a Mockingbird. The Girl with the Lizard Tattoo. The Attic of Anne Frank. The Diary of Aunt Frank. Lord of the Flies by Tolkien. The Hungry Games. The Lively Bones. While standing at the reference desk, you never know what kind of crazy questions will come out of left field. Here is one. Can you tell me what babies were born in Cleveland in June 1965? I think I'm one of them. I just found out some stuff about my family. Or where is the nearest waterfall? I want to dunk my head in it. Or do you have a knife so I can cut this onion? Or what is the best way to cure hiccups? Because this kid is driving me nuts. Or what is the standard length of eyebrow hairs? Or has my wife seen this movie? Hello, my name is Aldana Pilmanis, and I am the head of youth services at the Nyack Library. You may have heard me on an earlier episode of Paper Cut talking about the ghosts at the library. I am now going to share one of the other things I love about the Nyack Library, and that is all of the celebrity sightings we have here. I'm sure most Nyack residents will disagree with me, but few things make me happier than seeing those cryptic yellow and black signs that randomly appear on street signs to signal that somewhere in the village, something is being filmed, and I am all about it. Over the many years that I've worked here, I've not only gotten to see celebrities like Russell Crowe, Zach Braff, Rosie O'Donnell, and cast members from the show Orange is the New Black, to name a few, walking around town and in local establishments. I've also had the luck to see some inside the library. Several years ago, the library was closed for a day to allow a major motion picture to film a few scenes inside the library. One of the main characters in the film was a librarian, so it made sense to film her inside of one. Despite the fact that the library was closed, staff were asked to report to the Nyack Center for an all-day training. During our breaks, we would sneak across the street to try to get a glimpse of what was happening inside. The stern-looking men with clipboards and walkie-talkies positioned at the entrances were having none of our shenanigans and wouldn't let us in no matter how hard we begged or bribed them with coffee. It was thrilling to see the library transformed on the big screen when the movie came out. You may have heard of it. The movie was called The Namesake. Another memorable experience came a few years later when they filmed an episode of the TV show Person of Interest in the library. They filmed all day in the Carnegie Room. The area was closed off, but we were still technically open for business, so staff got to see a bit of the action. The episode was about a girl who had gone missing after studying at the library one evening. The library was almost unrecognizable on film because they brought in a lot of their own furniture and moved things around. But you can still see our signature Carnegie Room windows on screen. My biggest thrill that day was seeing a very tall and a very handsome Jim Caviezel who played the lead on the show. He walked right past me on his way to the restroom. It was a swoon, 
swoon-worthy moment for sure. Maybe not for him, but definitely for me. The most recent filming in the library was for an episode of the Travel Channel's Mysteries at the Museum. They wanted to do a segment on the legally declared haunted house at One Lavetta Place in Nyack. I worked with Kat Sullivan, our local historian, to find news articles and information about the trial. I was the main point of contact for the filming event, and I wanted to thank former director Jane Marino, who passed that duty along to me, knowing how much I love this stuff. I was behind the scenes with the crew all day long and quickly came to the realization that the actual filming part is quite boring. They filmed the same scene over and over to give the director options. It was like watching paint dry, especially since they were filming pieces of paper, not people. My efforts were not in vain. I did get a shout out in the credits, but as luck would have it, they misspelled my name. My one and only claim to TV fame went to Aldana Pilmaris, dramatic sigh. I've also had several celebrity sightings of people not actively filming in the library, including Ben Stiller, who was filming in the art cafe next door. He was taking a break and stopped on the steps in the library's Diabold Garden to send a text. I was walking past the window in the teen room when I saw him and lost my breath for a moment. I didn't quite know what to do, because if I ran outside the building, he would have most certainly been gone by the time I reached him. I started knocking on the window and waving like a maniac. It took him a minute to realize where the sound was coming from, and then he smiled at me and waved back. I snapped a quick picture and he was off. Day made. The lovely Ellen Burstyn once graced us with a visit when our former director Jim Mahoney gave her a tour of the building. She had donated a large number of books from her personal collection and was there to deliver them. I felt her before I saw her. She had such a presence. She's even more elegant and graceful in person, and I felt so lucky to meet her. Lastly, I will share my most recent encounter, which happened the summer before the pandemic hit. One afternoon, I was walking from the children's room into the circulation area and happened to notice a woman with bright red hair pacing back and forth in the bridge entrance, talking on her phone. I stopped to take a closer look because something about her just looked so familiar. When I looked again, I realized that it was none other than actress Bryce Dallas Howard. You may know her from films such as The Help, Jurassic World, and the Netflix series Black Mirror. She also happens to be the daughter of famous director and actor Ron Howard. I quickly grabbed my coworker and fellow celebrity enthusiast, Barbara Hart, and we went outside to see if we could find Miss Howard. We initially thought she had left, but she had simply moved to stand in front of the Carnegie Room entrance. She was still on her phone, so Barbara and I just stood on the sidewalk sneaking glances at her and whispering to each other about what to do. When Miss Howard got off the phone, she and I made contact and I gave her a little wave. She smiled and made her way towards us. I immediately told her that we were big fans and she asked us if we would like a picture with her. Of course, we said yes. We even joked about the art of the selfie. I will always treasure that moment and that picture. Thanks for listening. Uh, next episode is about 
well, we don't know yet. <laughs> Our next episode is going to be the first episode of season two. This is our last episode of season one. Thank you all for listening. Um, it's been extraordinarily fun to make these and I'm looking forward to season two and we'll be back it with uh, that episode in October. Um, so as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Nyack Library. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Nyack Library. You can go to our website, nyacklibrary.org. We do have a YouTube channel called the Nyack Library from Home. And if you have any questions or need any information, you can email us at info at Thank you for listening. I'm Georgia. I'm Tracy. And I'm Rosemary. Thank you for listening to episode 10 of Paper Cut. <laughs> <laughs>